coming soon to the Owls Americast. Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. Justin discovers Accrington Stanley. Justin discovers Crew Alexandra. Justin discovers Shrewsbury Town. We'll get to all those eventually. <laughs> Not this week. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. Um, I had a pretty nice little day. I had to go pick up some medicine for one of my dogs while I was out. I thought I'd do a beer run to my good friends at Alvarium Beer Company in New Britain, Connecticut. And they had put some of their Hurricane Sour back on the menu for takeout. So I grabbed a four-pack of that. Thinking back now to our New Orleans meetup that was about a year ago in the before times, it seemed an appropriate beer for the podcast. It's a cocktail-style sour ale brewed with passion fruit, orange, cherry, lime, and molasses as part of their uh, double dry-hopped sour base, which makes it a strong 7%, which we're going to need. Next, we move to the author of those future League One, uh, League One previews in New England, Justin Disorger. Justin, what are you drinking? Um, I went back to the uh, McKellar uh, Beer Geek Vanilla Shake. Oh, uh, yeah, 12%. Yeah, that'll, uh, that'll get the job done. Yeah, we're going to need it. Um, and I'm going to follow it up with actually pretty interesting. I'm, I'm looking forward to trying. Uh, same friend that usually gives me beers I don't like. Uh, we argued about it this week, and uh, he's given me a small change brewing company in Somerville, Mass., where I used to live. Uh, has an English-style dark mild. It's real low alcohol. Um, supposed to be fairly refreshing. A uh, little bit of chocolate and, and caramel. Um, so I think that'll be a nice pairing with... Uh, the McKellar, and then uh, I imagine uh, after I get off of this, I'm going to drink some tequila to make the pain go away. I do wish that more. I know it's a it's a difficult style to master, but I do wish more American microbrews would try like English style ales, like ESBs and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, just to give a Cape Cod shout out, Devil's Purse um, out of Orleans uh, makes a. ESB that's pretty good, so worth trying if you see it. Also on the line out in Cascadia, still possibly snowed in. It's Mike Laroon. Mike, what are you drinking? Hey, so uh, I also made my online order day for beer. I just haven't managed to pick it up yet. So um, <laughs> I am going to away days sometime tomorrow to pick up the uh, heavy metal black IPA. But until then, I'm enjoying a, a local Malbec. Uh, this is Powers from. Uh, up in uh where was that kennewick washington so um nice again and as you guys say i, I don't know how much this bottle i'm gonna need to get through the rest of this week and this season but we're on our way uh, so nice say. a nice bold red for what i'm sure will be some bold takes in episode 128 we will review the birmingham and brentford games we'll cover the wednesday news we'll preview yet again another fucking two fixture week with Luton and Rotherham. Two more must-win games. Really, they're all must-win games. They're not going to win any of them. They didn't win the two we're talking about this week, and we're only doing one talking point for each. Mike, your talking point is it's not good, but what exactly is bad? So, okay, you go to, you, you, you go to London and you lose to Brentford. That's one thing. Um, the game on Saturday... I mean, I thought they were in Whoops. Rotherham based on the stadium, but... Yeah, exactly. Well, I, that's news <laughs> to all of us. Yeah, Saturday's match, um, you know, I, we all want, don't want to pin it all on a pair of questionable yellow cards. But, you know, if you 
the um, the set pieces looked okay. The movement looked okay. The possession looked okay. And Mike, Mike, they can't score. They can't score goals. They can't score. Yeah, exactly. So yes, the 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 note on Twitter was aside from not going in, the set pieces are spot on. But um, <laughs> that's it. Is this is this the uh, curse of Stephen Fletcher? Is this the curse of Lucas Wow? Uh, what? There's nothing glaringly bad other than not scoring. Yeah, well, that's, that's a large <laughs> part. Of, that's a large part of the game, Mike. You got to yeah, score more know, goals than the other yeah. team. If you can't score any, it makes it difficult. <sighs> but that's not the way it was. You know, we had we had a decent run there. But yeah, on, onward to wherever we're going to league one, whatever league we're going to. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, they were bad game. I mean, it's it's. Yeah, what do you say at this point? there you could sort of at various points in the season point out they were playing because of the six point deduction or even back when it was a 12 point deduction they were playing better than relegation form that's just not the case anymore and it doesn't matter because they're running out of games there's still a fuck ton of games because there's two every week at this point but it really feels like justin that this is kind of the you know, you talked about last week in your preview. Brum was a was a six pointer, must win, and they didn't win. And here we are. Yeah, this is uh, some of our more positive friends on Twitter. There's a nice little cadre of them. I I enjoy. I kind of get grouped in with them on on game days about stuff. But you know, when I responded, uh, I believe after the Brum game, I simply posted a uh, picture of the Grim Reaper uh, mournfully staring out across some like Scottish Highland moors or whatever, and. Now people were saying, "Oh, it's not plenty of time, plenty of this." But but the problem is, is is Birmingham City's bad. Oh, they're pretty bad. bad, (laughs) A bad, bad football team. And if we are not winning those games, if we are not beating teams like that, then we are not. Then we are going to go down. And that's just there's no because you're not going to beat Brentford. I I had a tweet before the game today, which I thinking back on it was fairly stupid where I said, you know, given their recent form, given their injuries and, you know, given our ability to pull games out of our asses when everything's at their lowest, this feels like we could pull a scrappy 83rd minute goal or a once in a season thunder bastard from somebody, or more likely we'll just ship three goals. (laughs) And well, I sort of covered both sides of it with that tweet, you know, that's, that's it. We, and today was another, Mike, this might have been with your point a little bit. Like, today was all right. Like, I didn't think we played that bad. We were in the game. We held on to the ball. It was close enough. Their first yeah, goal none of was the, a bit of a the, mismatch. None of the goals we conceded were tactical masterpieces. They just, they were, they were, slot, they were as ugly as Stephen Fletcher's goal was last week, where they just kind of got some bad breaks. But, yeah, it's... Um, well, I guess sort of like what exactly is bad? It just seems like the like, look, it's not a great team. It's a squad that should be able to keep them up, but it just something doesn't seem right. Like it, they just have these periods where shit goes sour, and they there's nobody that really seems to take the game by the scruff of its neck. I mean, even when they're playing okay, and I think Thompson, you know, has, has set them up all right, and they've shown you know, moments of creativity and moments of opportunity, but there's like really no one there that can drag those games over the line for them. 
Yeah, and I I think Thompson's magic's starting to wear off a sure. little bit too, which which bums me out a little bit because I, I'm rooting for him and he's he's a great company guy. But his both his you know sort of setups and some of his substitutions have not been great. And you know it's one of those things where you don't is it his fault? Is he telling the team Brum was a great example? I really wasn't sure. I have a really fascinating diagram of where the players were and where they were moving but it's no real discernible formation but is that because he tried to set up something complex and full of movement or because the players were just out there going tomo enough like you know you're a fucking interim we don't care we're we're moving about it um i don't know you know it's hard to it's hard to blame i the, the one thing i was really disappointed with from him was we give up the the Shaw red card go, or the second yellow and and the red goes down and it took 15 minutes to make a change and the only change was to bring Adam Reach on and, and that just that made no sense to me uh, it, it wasn't you know anybody seizing the game by this like Birmingham City's bad enough we could beat them with 10 men <laughs> you know maybe we can't but teams can and we just showed no life and no willingness to do i mean we brought in fizz with six minutes to go what the fuck is that gonna do you know i just it really feels uh you know it's these last two games last three games really are just draining you know and we'll talk about it in the previews but man if they don't get they don't take six points. Uh, well, that, that's know. the thing about this league too is, you know, so, see if you look at what like Darby has done since we beat them after Christmas. If, if you can get a run of like eleven points from five games at any and point in time, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, I, they probably can't do it. It's <laughs> the thing, right? But the, the, like, there's still enough bad teams in this league although that is changing now it looks like it might end up being five teams for three relegation spots like but yeah you just need that needs to be well i mean look at look at forest forest just they they took off yeah i mean you you get dizzy when you see 38 points wow and well they 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 hired a manager with a plan look at what (laughs) cardiff did cardiff totally turned themselves around they hired a manager with a plan you know, if, if you want to make a good hire of uh, Chris Hutton um, or a Mick McCarthy, somebody who legitimately knows this league, Tony Pulis is not a championship manager. Tony Pulis is an outdated manager who had done it in the Premier League and some in the championship over the years. But uh, Chris Hutton is that's that's a hire. Mick McCarthy. Uh, he knows what he's doing at this level. We right. have not think, done that. You know? <laughs> the thing about Chris Hutton, Chris Hutton knows the league. Chris Hutton also knows how to get out of the league. <laughs> right. I think that's right. the difference. Yep. Right. And that's where you're seeing that uptick in form. Um, as you're right, some other teams are starting to come down. I mean, I, you know, I... I mean, there's a lot can, of bad teams in this league. Yeah, too many of them are ahead of us. And we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that <laughs> with, in the preview as well. But... Yeah, I mean, uh, I think my only talking point really to add to to any of this um, is the idea, and I, and I didn't get a chance last week to really talk about it, but is you know the Liam Shaw situation with 
you know, the whole argument about don't play him and he's not, you know, he doesn't, he should be benched. He should go with the under 23s. We're not in a position to bench <laughs> somebody, you know, and, and the suggestion to me is frankly pretty insulting. Like Liam Shaw is a professional, let alone a Wednesday. I, you know, it's, of course he's going to try and do it. So of course he comes and a couple kind of sketchy yellows and yes, he needs to know he can't make that tackle when he's already on a yellow, even though 10 years ago, that's not even a foul. It's a great play. Um, he needs to know that. But at the same time, you know, he's out there trying hard. He's out there doing what he can. And to see people slagging him off for making career decisions that benefit him and his family and his future, and then slagging him off over, frankly, just you know, being a 19 year old who's trying too hard, you know, fuck off. Right. I don't think it was the idea that like shit. he was out there with, with something to prove or something. I think he's just, yeah, he's a 19 no. year old kid that that's the way he plays. He's gotten sent off before for that kind of stuff. And yes, he has to know the game yeah. situation, but you know, when his suspension's up, like I put him in the squad against Luton without even thinking twice about it. He wants to play. He hasn't begged off because of, you know, to protect the contract or whatever. He wants to, continue getting first team football and like look he's been in the system for probably like a decade at this point he probably wants to help keep the team up if he can and that's fine and yeah he did something dumb he's far far from the only wednesday player to get sent off this year for a dumb foul so uh, my talking point go ahead go ahead Uh, my talking point is they can't score goals and that's like the underlying problem here and i don't know how to fix it yeah, um, I, I'm seeing again. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Kadeem Harris, but these his crosses are they're not efficient, or he's just taking way too long to set them up. Um, it's way too predictable with that with the crosses all around, not just Kadeem Harris. Everyone, um, yeah. And, there's, and again, Good and there's call. no one there, and there's no one there to receive them. So, and it, but it kind of takes away from that notion of, Hey, well, let's just do some slices, you know, let's do some slasher plays and try to cut in, go toward the goal with the ball instead of playing in the corners always. And that also led to some bad um, counterattacks today, which we were lucky not to have two more goals uh, from Brentford on. Yeah. That shot from, uh, who was a goddess or whatever, put it just wide of the far post through Argidi's legs. That was, I mean, that that absolutely should have been a goal. I mean, and you know, here's the thing, we Jeff, I, I love that you mention every week because it's true. It's another fucking two games. It's you know, 22 games in 33 days or whatever it is. So I, I understand why you have to rest players, but you're definitely not scoring goals with your leading goal scorer not getting in the game, right? Or not coming into your two goals down. Well, I mean, uh, I get the idea that like know. because of the schedule, you're gonna have to sure rotate. But yeah, it's like. They don't have enough strike. <laughs> they don't have enough striker depth. Even though they have like five strikers or whatever that aren't. None of them are actually really strikers. None of them actually particularly score a ton of goals either. Yeah, and we just you know this was another tactical thing that you know was was tough. And it, again, it's hard to blame Thompson for you know what he's dealing with and what he's got. But we didn't want to play the ball out of the back today because Brentford was setting us up to press at a certain point if we tried to advance and, and we're not very good with the ball. As we saw so, against Stoke. Exactly. Um, so our two plays were to either have uh, uh, Wildsmith smash it 
to one of their center backs, um, which wasn't obviously very effective. Or when I, you know, had a discussion online with somebody who said that's all they're doing. I said, no, they're not actually lumping it long. Wildsmith's the only one doing that. When the players have it, they're trying to go out wide and work one twos and triangles. The problem is, is they're doing that 25 yards into our own half. <laughs> so even if you make those passes and you make those connections, any of the forward players, and we started out with basically three players forward when we had that ball. Reach was really high up and so was Kachunga. Um, and yet they were so far ahead of where the wide midfielders and the central midfielders were that they couldn't connect. So it's just none of it's working right now. None of it sucks. <laughs> well, on that uplifting note, we'll take a break. We come back. <laughs> we'll do the Wednesday news and preview two more games that will probably suck. Now it's time for some Wednesday news. The big news of the week is Wednesday and Barry Bannon have re-upped for another two seasons past this one, taking him to the end of the 2022-2023 season. Justin, you have some thoughts on this. I'm going to preface my thoughts uh-huh. with just, yeah, I'm sorry. I got to, I can't go all in. I'm, I'm not that controversial. Um, I really appreciate what Barry Bannon has been for this club and how long he's been here and how much he gives a shit because who would resign with this club right now? And yet he is willing to even publicly express. He doesn't matter what league we're in. He wants to be with Wednesday. He wants to be with us. I have a lot of respect for that. I have a lot of respect for his ability as a footballer, um, especially at this level. Um, it's very clever. Um, you know, he finds great passes and, and to be frankly honest, he probably doesn't have the caliber of player playing with him that he should. That said, uh, what the fuck are we doing spending money re-signing 30-year-olds who can't, as uh, Mike put at the beginning, talking about the last two games, we desperately need somebody who can grab a hold of a game and make things happen. And I have yet to see that Barry Bannon is the player to do that. Yet we are re-signing him and talking about re-signing Adam Reach and talking about re-signing Tom Lees, who has done well, but... And when our focus is on re-signing 29, 30, 31-year-olds, well, we lose 19-year-olds who are going to go get significant playing time at European clubs that play in European uh, competitions... Uh, that's a major problem and it's really indicative of how we don't have a fucking clue beyond what's happening tomorrow as a club. Right. Well, I mean, I guess the idea is you need both. Like you're going to need veterans in the squad as well that can do a job at this level, I guess, whatever that level is. And I assume there's an out in the contract if the team gets relegated as there so often are, but like Barry Bannon and Liam Shaw in midfield together is a great thing to have. But you're right, you do need to, you need both. Or you need neither and you'd have a better plan. Or, <laughs> or like but yeah, it's you gotta figure out what the what the near term and long term goals of the club are and that's always seemed to be a bit of a mishmash or moving target or whatever you wanna call it. I mean I will say that I 
enjoy watching Barry Bannon play football. Like on his day, he can be one of the best players in this league, but he is on the wrong side of 30 now. And, you know, what do you really expect from him going forward? And uh, there is something to the idea, I think, that I have no problem with him being captain or anything like that, that he was had played his best football when he had a clearly defined role under Carlos. And now he kind of, because of his tenure and his skill level, gets to do whatever he wants. And that's fine when it comes off, but there are games like, we saw this week where he just disappears and can't have the influence that you'd want him to have. Well, that's just it. If you're my, my issue isn't spending money on Barry Bannon. Um, but that's not a guy I don't, I, and again, I just see huge argument amongst the Wednesday faithful. I don't think that's a guy you build your team around, or if you do, then fucking build your team around him. And we haven't done that. And we're not going to do that. It's not, like I said, it's just it's another indication. There's no long-term plan. Right. He's a he's a very good player at this level. At least certainly has been in the in the past and throughout his Wednesday tenure. If you go back and look at those two playoff squads, would you say Barry Bannon was the best player on them? No. Right. I mean, he was he was no. an integral part of those teams, but I don't know that he was the first name on the team sheet in a lot of cases. He was also. And if an he was, he wasn't. If, ahead, if he was the best player on a given day back, whatever that was, four or five years ago, he, yeah. it, it wasn't standout. Um, you had a bunch of players playing the best ball of their careers mm-hmm. at the right time, and, and there we go. But, um, no, he was not the standout uh, by any means. He also had a really, really tough game against Hull yeah. in, in that, in that right, yeah. playoff final. And it, it wasn't just him. I, I think pretty much Everybody on that team, aside from Gary Hooper and Karen Westwood, looked nervous and, and suffered that day. But and, and this is me being a small petty man, but I probably have I probably have held Bannon's performance that day. Sure, I mean they got against I, him a little bit. I think Bannon, uh, Steve Bruce clearly knew how to set up to clog that midfield, which you know was the strength of that team, and Bannon was certainly part of that. Well, and other managers, we've seen them. We've yeah, seen they, them that's, just they mark him out of games. Yeah, you know. Um, but you know, again, I, I don't want to sit here and shit on Barry Bad, and I, especially if they're in League One um, next year, it, it's really nice to know that there's somebody who wants to be a part of the club, and you know, I will always root for Barry Bad, and even if he left us and went somewhere else, I I will root for Barry Bad, and I'm very appreciative of it, but. To me, the the signing of him, especially coming right after the leaked announcement, throwing Liam Shaw under the bus uh, to try to turn, you know, fans against him, um, and then to try to cover it up by getting all excited that you re-signed a, a thirty-year-old. It just, it's not Bannon's fault, but it's indicative of our complete lack of a long-term plan. It just, it tastes tastes like shit <laughs> i i mean i'll be a little more sympathetic but yes i Please, do think it's good. i think it's i think it's an okay move to patch us over again i i know we've just spent the whole last half well, that's hour what it's been really team. since I, I we lost to huddersfield in the playoffs a series of like one and two year patches right yeah but I mean, mean, this it, year it, they well, might not be able to stop the bleeding a, yeah <laughs> now we're doing a three-month patch of let's get to 20th place and 
I know I'm down from 17 from last time I was on the pod, but <laughs> uh, I'll take 21st place, Mike. Probably not helping Wednesday in the next, well, the first half of that three month patch will be Massimo Luongo, who appears to be out for another five to six weeks after. Uh, pulling up with a knee injury after coming back into what Neil Thompson described as light training, which not a great sign. Um, look, I think we've all noted that Luongo is an, again, a high quality player at this level. The reason Wednesday were able to acquire him was because he is had severe fitness issues that we've gotten the, sharp end of for most of his tenure. Sucks. He's real quality. Yeah. This is, is one of the better Wednesday are not the team to keep like healthy players, no. healthy, let alone oft injured. <laughs> yeah. Players we, healthy, yeah. So. No, we, we have a, we have a, a bad enough problem with that. And it's, it's, I, I think about last week where we had to cancel a game because the pitch froze over and that just that on the heels of, going to Burnmouth and seeing how amazing that pitch looked and being like, wow, that, so that's what a premier league pitch looks like. And I can't, uh, well, I grew up around AstroTurf and, and American football. And I can't, I can't get away from, there's gotta be something going on with conditioning and to bring in Luongo, who we knew already was suspect injuries. Uh, I just hate to see it like this. I hope, I hope it's a one-off, but I fear it's, it's not, it already isn't a one-off, but yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, also a late scratch for the Brentford game is Kieran Westwood, who is dealing with a rib injury that, uh, it doesn't sound serious, but Neil Thompson made a weird quote. It's like, I don't know. It's like a string in there. So, and he, like, I don't know when he's going to be back because your rib is like a string apparently. Yeah. He also, I, I heard everything from like mild bruising to broken and it's like, <laughs> that's, so wide range of outcomes. It, it sounds like we're looking at a month out. You know, I, I've been a huge Joe Wildsmith fan um, and been touting him for a while. And, you know, I made my public apology to Kieran Westwood last week and, and I meant it. But, you know, today was a good example. I, I thought Wildsmith was a little tentative on balls into the box. Um, not that it necessarily cost them, but, you know, I unfortunately, I you know, it could make a difference. It could really miss uh, could really miss having Westwood uh, around. Um, you know, it's not a, I don't think it's a total coincidence that the brief streak of success they had recently was with Karen Westwood in goal. Well, well I can't when... look past the fact that, you know, if this, this Hutchinson and Westwood combo that was broken up, you know, several times for over the last five years, um, it's like, Oh, yeah, you forget what happens when the two of them run the field together. Well, Wednesday will start or attempt to start another brief run of success this week as they head to Luton Town and Rotherham. We will start, Justin, with Luton Town. The mighty mid table Luton Town. <laughs> yeah, lower mid table. Lower mid table. It's really, I mean, they're in 17th place and they're 10 points ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's not, I mean, they are, as far as I'm concerned, they're a little bit out of the. They're out of the relegation battle now. Now their form hasn't been great. Um, they their last six, they've lost three, won one, drawn two. Um, and I actually really did appreciate they lost yesterday to Millwall on a 95th minute 
goal by Millwall in which uh, the Luton players were incredibly angry at the ref talking about how much extra time there was and Nathan Jones, his post-game comments, and I, I think he's a wonderful manager, his post-game comments were all about, oh, how can they give that extra minute and all this and that. And I burst out laughing when I went to the Millwall site, and uh, Millwall's headline was, Luton's time-wasting costs them as Millwall <laughs> scores a late one. So apparently Luton was uh, trying to kill a bunch of time, and uh, it cost them in the end. Uh, talking about their actual team, though, uh, they tend to play looking at a f- roughly without the ball a four-one-four-one uh, with a defensive midfielder protecting the back four, and when they go forward, their outside uh, midfielders will push up, so it kind of looks like a four-three-three. Uh, James Collins is their target man in the middle. Uh, he's got seven goals. They like to get it to the outside um, to those guys who cross it in, or look to have their two central midfielders. Uh, Dewsbury Hall and uh, and Panzu uh, to have them try to work it up through the middle. Um, they take a lot of shots. You know they're aggressive. Um, you know they're in all honesty they're probably a better club than us as most are. But you know this is a game that we must win. You know I, I'm not sure what our tactics need to look like. I'm not sure what. We need to do, but this is not this is not a choice. We are uh, yes, we're on the road at Luton, um, whatever that's worth. But this is we we've got to come away with points if we want to if we want to get out of the relegation zone. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. These, these previews might get shorter just because it's like when they're sort of say they're Wednesday needs to win this game and they're probably not going to win this game. <laughs> Uh, so Rotherham, who might be Ugh. slightly more in an achievable position for Wednesday. So Rotherham is one of the teams that I actually think we're better than. I think mm. we're better than Rotherham. I think we're better than Wickham. I think we're better than Coventry. And I think we're better than Birmingham. I'm not quite sure there's anybody else. There's a couple Huddersfield, other... I guess, would be the other one, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they all... They've had a terrible like run of form. Man City last time we played that. So. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> they were just... They looked like fucking Guardiola Barcelona tip-tap of the ball around us, so I don't even want to get into that. So, uh, Rotherham is in uh, tough form right now. They've lost four in a row. Um Unfortunately, if we they are as we know, form us. has no meaning when playing Wednesday. In fact, no. it may have an inverse meaning. Yes, yeah. the Caltech <laughs> basketball team is going to beat Wednesday. So, <laughs> oh, what a great, what a great deep shout that is! <laughs> yeah, think, thank you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't think any of our English uh, listeners will get that, but uh, it's a good one. Um, yeah, so four losses in a row. Um, and if you guys remember the last time we played them, we lost, uh, three to nothing at, uh, the New York stadium. Um, who got sent off in that one? Was that the wind sending off? No, that was the Tom Lee. Oh, the Tom Lee's, uh, yeah. Covering for, I can't remember. I think it was burner. Somebody got I, absolutely uh, burnt and Lee's had to track back, cut him down. But that was also the game. We were down one, nothing, five minutes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, I also yeah. go that that's the game that that's the match that lost, that cost Gary Monk his job. Finally, yeah, it may have been. 
I mean, it was the um, end that cost so. him his job, even though they won at Burnmouth the next. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, still no, in no, but it was that it was that run. It was the end of that run of three games, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So. Uh, just double checking. Yeah, that was the that was the third game in the it was the third game in the, in a run, and it just it was too much for him. Um, so Rotherham sucks, but it is what it is. That the the good news for us maybe is that. Um, They've actually been playing a lot of three at the back recently, and uh, the right-sided center back, uh, Michael—I can't pronounce your last name—I Hikwe um, just picked up his tenth yellow card of the season. He's out for the next two games, which includes us. And he is, according to WhoScored.com, their highest-rated player. Just in general, he's also played the most minutes for the team. He's one of their rocks at the back, so he will be missing and. Richard Wood has picked up a knock and has been out as well. Um, and he's almost certainly not playing this weekend and may not be ready for us. So the fact that they'll be down a couple of uh, possibly down a couple center backs could be a good sign. Um, they have uh, Michael Smith is up front. Um, he's their, their main center forward. Um, they've been very in between one and two, uh, Freddie Latipo, who scored against us last time, tends to start or come off the bench. He's pretty even. George Hurst actually started the last game. Uh, Latipo came on. Um, but Michael Smith, which I found was really interesting, um, leads the team and is actually really good in uh, aerial victories. And so when I went to look at that thinking, oh, center forward good at aerial victories, it told me he was 180 centimeters tall. And... Uh, I think the three of us can all agree that we have no fucking idea what 180 centimeters tall is. Uh, is like 70, actually, it's 72 inches. It's six foot. Yeah. Okay. That's what Jeff says. That's what Mike said. That's what I thought when I hit Google Translate. It said he was five foot nine. <laughs> so maybe I did something wrong. But point is, he's not a towering beast of a center forward. Uh, he's just really good in the air, uh, which makes me hope that Shay Dunkley gets a start. Uh, in the middle of that to try to shut them down. And, the, you know, the good news is if they do play two up front, uh, that fits in with our three at the back, and hopefully we can we can handle them. But, uh, yeah, Christ, I mean, uh, we can all, even the most positive of us, can keep saying there's a third of the season left. But if we don't come out of this stretch with it, minimum, minimum four points, then I will start doing my Accrington Stanley previews right now. Uh, this has been episode 128 of the Owls Americast. You can find us on the internet at owlamericas.com. You can email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Owls Americas. Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesday nights Reverend of the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Whether you choose to consume the Owls of America, we ask you to rate and review the show to help more Wednesday nights find our ramblings. Mike is on Twitter at Mike Laroon. Mike, it's been kind of a depressing show. Um, <laughs> what, what's made What's made you happy lately? What's been a good What's been a good oh, pick me up? Oh my gosh, this is a rough week to ask me that. We've been snowed in for mm. for the whole weekend. Um, what's making me happy? So actually, I've. Uh, um, I enjoyed watching the uh, the women's U.S. women's soccer team is doing quite well in their the 
current competition, the She Believes Cup. So there's that. Although I question how many shots on target they've actually had against them. So um, there's that. That's made me. That's made me happy. Um, good things to come in the Olympics this summer, which aren't also aren't going to happen. So that's going to bring me back. To <laughs> there we go. Just how has uh, real, real, real quick? Uh, how's Rose Lavelle looked? I haven't seen any of it. Uh, they all look fine. I mean, right now the hard part about okay, hot women's soccer team talk for everyone. Um, the hard part now is they need to get the team down to 18. And so they're really using this as a chance to spread around the roster because that the, uh, the Olympics have an 18 person roster. So, um, everyone's getting a lot of, uh, playing time. She scored the other night, um, against in the game against Canada. I think it was the one nil win. So that was good. So yeah, doing fine. All right, I'm a I'm a huge fan. She's uh, amongst my favorite midfielders in the world. I, I think she's dynamic. So, oh, they all are glad yeah. glad to hear it. Justin's on Twitter at New England Owls. Justin, same question. What's uh, putting a pep in your step recently? Oh boy, uh, nothing, Jeff. I li- I live in this <laughs> existence of uh, it's still it's day three hundred and. 52 of march of 2020 the the good thing is for my mental health i have uh managed to find a really nice routine of getting through each day well without stressing too much over things and and you know kind of getting through an extra i'll real quickly uh jump into to throw a random thought in there's a wednesday fan online uh, known as sid the greek who uh I've actually had some, you know, private conversations with about mental health. And, you know, he was a guy who was having a tough day recently and, you know, kind of put it out there. And it was really, really cool to see a lot of Wednesday fans right down to the actual club reach out to him and um, really try to, um, you know, make sure he was okay and, and support him. And it's not the only time I've seen that happen. And so, so Jeff, maybe this was sort of throwing it in, but maybe this is your answer. Um, it, it's made me really happy to see that despite all the awful things on the pitch and in the boardroom and the ownership, uh, the collective of people that support Sheffield Wednesday, while we may argue over who's playing well or what should happen, um, in, in the end, we're all very supportive of each other and you know, if that's not comfort in these times, uh, you know, I don't know what is. So uh, that's really nice to see. We're all Wednesday, aren't we? I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and we'll see you back here next week.